Welcome to Perspectives, Faskin's legal voices on business. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us in this latest episode of Faskin Perspectives, the voice of business law. My name is Alice Letzualo, a candidate attorney in the dispute resolution practice at Faskin. I'm joined today by my colleagues who will introduce themselves. I'm Catherine Hendricks, a candidate attorney also in the dispute resolution practice at Faskin. I am Jessica Rajpal, a partner in the dispute resolution practice at Faskin. On this episode, we will be talking about the relatively new kit on the block, cyber security. Today, we'll be looking at governance risk in cyber crimes insofar as it relates to the Cyber Crimes Act, as well as the so-called Prince of Data Protection, PAPIA. Then we will address how cybersecurity affects organizations. And in this part of our discussion, we intend to give a brief overview of key elements of contracts with service providers who ensure the overall cybersecurity hygiene of your organization. And so on that note, I'm going to hand it over to Alice. Thank you, Kath. So first things first is for us to define what corporate governance is as it relates to cybersecurity. And it is defined as a practice by which companies are managed and controlled and as also being concerned with holding the balance between economic and social goals and between individual and communal goals. So for purposes of our discussion today, we want to focus on the role that corporate governance has on the executive and our board level oversight in cybersecurity. And we do know that Jessica is going to touch on that for us a bit later. So we thought it would be an interesting topic to get into because usually when we consider corporate governance, we think about the elements of financial integrity, legal and regulatory compliance and etc. However, we do know that in the wake of cyber attacks that has cost multiple enterprises millions, corporate governance in the context of cybersecurity has also become increasingly important. So I think it begs the question of, how cyber governance can be evolved in order to take into account this threat on our business operations. Yes. So some of the four major areas in each cyber governance can be evolved, namely inverting the cybersecurity leadership responsibility, adopting the right cybersecurity framework, addressing the organization structure, So let's start with the very first element. Jessica, what do we mean by inverting the cybersecurity leadership responsibilities? Kath, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. If it isn't front and center of boardroom discussions, it certainly should be. What we know is that traditionally the approach to cybersecurity has been a bottom-up approach, meaning that the IT team or an employee with IT experience is asked to identify cybersecurity defense mechanisms and to prepare response policies. These are usually developed as technical tools, but often have little regard to the operational implications in a business. It is, however, important to note that a cybersecurity governance model that is inverted to a top-down approach may direct the directors and the management of the enterprise to establish a cybersecurity framework that takes into account the financial, legal, regulatory, and reputational risks of a cyber attack. 
Using this information, a company can then curate the necessary technical tools to prevent such cyber attacks. Um, and on that score, Kat, this should raise an alarm in the minds of executives about some of the legal and regulatory implications in respect of cybersecurity. More specifically, the Cyber Crimes Act is important. Directors must be aware, for instance, of what constitutes a cyber crime, what steps to take when one is faced with a cyber attack, specifically in relation to the, to the Cyber Crimes Act, and some of the protections that are available to them when faced with a cyber attack. Additionally, Catherine, and in accordance with the proclamation in the Gazette, we know that certain aspects of the Cyber Crimes Act came into operation on the 1st of December 2021, and we now know that there are a few gazetted cybercrimes that are punishable by fine or imprisonment. These include unlawfully accessing a computer system or computer data storage medium, which allows the person to intercept data or interfere with data or the computer system, and unlawfully intercepting data, for example, acquiring, viewing, capturing, or copying any data that is non-public so as to make it available to a person other than the lawful owner or the holder of the data. There are a few more, Kath, but I won't go into all of them today. And if I can just highlight, Jess, that we also know that the South African Police Services, its members and also its investigators, have now been given an extensive um, powers to search, to access, seize certain articles and investigate these cybercrimes. That's correct, Alice. And it is an interesting development that we are keeping an eye on. So bringing it back to the question of corporate governance with an action of the Cyber Crimes Act, we see a greater need for a cyber governance framework that takes all of this into consideration. Most notably absent, however, was the provision in the Act that imposes reporting obligations by financial institutions and electronic communication service providers. So as it currently stands, financial institutions and electronic communication service providers are not yet obliged to report cybercrimes within 72 hours to the SAPS after having become aware of the offence and to preserve any information that may assist the SAPS with its investigations relating to the alleged offences. Indeed, Kath, but I think equally as important to note is it will eventually come into effect someday in the future. And so such enterprises must be aware of this and they must incorporate reporting procedures in their policies. Otherwise, once it's in operation, this could actually lead to a fine of not exceeding 50,000 rand. But I think it leads us nicely um, into our topic regarding Poppy or the Poppy Act. Because more often than not, when we think of a cyber attack, there's a great possibility that this information was personal information or even special personal information as defined by Poppy, which was breached. Yes, Alice. So the Poppy Act and the Cyber Crimes Act are really meant to complement each other with the Poppy Act protecting personal information. And on the same token, one could view the Cyber Crimes Act as a means to also protect personal information and make data breaches punishable offences where offences relating to data, data breaches, ransomware attacks, cyber forgery and cyber extortion are likely to become prevalent. So, Jace, 
Alice alluded to the reporting obligations that will come into effect in the foreseeable future. In terms of the Poppy Act, what are some of the reporting duties that may exist under that legislation? So, Kat, certain cybercrimes constitute reportable data breaches. And in terms of Poppy, what this means is that where there are reasonable grounds to believe that the personal information of a data subject has been accessed or acquired by an unauthorized person, the responsible party would, as a general rule, have to notify the information regulator and the relevant data subjects as soon as possible. Hmm. You mentioned the information regulator. With companies getting up to speed with their poppy compliance, briefly recap our listeners on what exactly is the information regulator and what is their role in the space of data protection and cybersecurity. Absolutely, Kat. The information regulator is an independent body and it derives its mandate from Section 14 of the Constitution, which relates to the right to privacy, as well as Section 32 of the Constitution, which involves the right of access to information. Among other things, the regulator is empowered to monitor and enforce compliance by public and private bodies, which are referred to in POPI as responsible parties. And let's touch on some of the obligations imposed by the Poppy Act. What we know is that it makes it obligatory to comply with the conditions for lawful processing of personal information, and that it also places an obligation on responsible parties to disclose breaches of information and give the information regulator power to impose severe penalties where responsible parties fail to adequately protect information or fail to report data breaches. Yes, so in a nutshell, this would entail having an incident management plan that properly sets out the steps to determine whether a cybercrime constitutes a reportable breach, having a robust breach detection, investigation and internal reporting procedure. All of this is critical for purposes of mitigating security risks. And what are some examples of a good cyber governance strategy, Jess? Kat, so just to name a few things, organizations need to clearly identify their cybersecurity obligations and goals. They need to develop and implement standards to subscribe to, and and an example of this would be ISO 9001-2017, which is a standard that can be used as a platform on which to base effective cybersecurity programs. An organization would have to establish the appropriate internal processes and procedures to manage cyber risks, determine the necessary protocols to enforce compliance, and quite importantly, equip its employees with the relevant resources and guidance to carry out the organization's cybersecurity. This would, of course, include ongoing training, etc. And I imagine mitigating a data breach would be quite difficult. Not only would an organization have to deal with the operational impact, but the reputational and legal implications as well. So what are some of the things that entities would have to be cognizant of in the instance of a data breach? Well, from a legal perspective, organizations need to be aware that a level of transparency is required by both the Cyber Crimes Act and the Poppy Act. It was mentioned earlier that in terms of the Cyber Crimes Act, electronic service providers will be required to report cyber attacks within a specific period of time, although that provision hasn't yet been enacted. 
Then in terms of the Poppy Act, security measures must be put in place by responsible parties to ensure the integrity and confidentiality of personal information in its possession. In terms of the Act, responsible parties are required to notify the information regulator as well as any parties whose personal information has been accessed by an, by an unauthorized party in the event of a security compromise. Something important to note, Kat, is that there isn't a threshold in respect of reporting such compromises in terms of poppy. That's a very interesting point, Jess. So if one considers the implications of notifying the information regulator, one can then imagine that where an organization has faced a data breach, but isn't confident about having established and enforced the appropriate protocols to prevent and mitigate such a breach, that organization may be reluctant to report this sort of crime. However, I think it's important that organizations are aware that a failure to report such incidents may very well expose them to a sanction under the Poppy Act. Absolutely. And what exactly should this notification entail, Jess? Well, Kat, at the very least, the identity of the unauthorized person who accessed the information, if this is known by the responsible party, Um, The notification should provide details regarding the possible consequences of the breach, including details of the measures that the responsible party will take um, and recommendations of measures that should be taken by affected data subjects whose information has been leaked. Something else to note is that the information regulator could require that the responsible party publicize the data breach. Publicizing something like that exposes organizations to serious reputational and financial harm. It's quite apparent that organizations really need to have a clear prevention and response plan when it comes to data breaches. There's a lot to consider. Protocols, mitigation strategies, very clear policies, adhering to the notification requirements. This really goes to show that the issue of cyber risk and crime can't be overemphasized in today's risk governance framework. Absolutely. I am so glad that we met today to share with our listeners some of the important factors to know from a legal perspective when it comes to data breaches. Jess, Kath, thanks so much for sharing your insights. I think that concludes our conversation for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you very much, Alice. Goodbye, all. Thanks so much, Alice. Goodbye, everyone.